just pray for your hand on this man. Father, I pray that you would restore his strength, that he'd mount up with wings like eagles as we stand and we wait on you for your spirit to just come down upon him right now. Father, I pray you'd anoint his heart, anoint his spirit, anoint this word, and anoint us to hear it and receive it and respond to your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, that was a bit silly, wasn't it? <laughs> Am I coming through? Good stuff. I'll keep going. Okay, well, um, this morning, um, this morning, what I thought I would do first is, since last time I spoke, Steve Foreman felt the need at the end of the meeting that I spoke in to stand up and say that I was actually a medically qualified doctor <laughs> and competent. I thought what I would do instead of telling you stories that were a bit borderline... I would find a story where I did something really amazing for a patient um, that would sort of lighten the atmosphere and that you'd all be pleased about it. And I had a really long think, but I really couldn't think of any at all. (laughs) And I think that's because you remember the things that are a little bit funny, but the things that maybe where you do well, you don't remember. So we'll all say yes to that, and then we'll close the lid on that episode and forget all about it. Okay, well, this morning we're continuing our series about real life. We're looking at the book of Acts in the New Testament. This is all about ordinary people who had experienced the changing power of knowing Jesus in their lives. And it changed everything about their lives, practical, real things about their lives. Not just whether they went to church and got to know some nice people, but how they lived their everyday life was different. It became an adventure and it was exciting. These people were exciting to be with. Well... We've been reading um, this book and we've gone through um, lots of different practical ways in which God changes our lives when we know Jesus. And just a, just a few weeks ago, probably four weeks ago now, um, Lily spoke about real influence, real influence, what it means to have real influence. And the next day, um, uh, this is testimony from our own lives, but we'd been um, waiting for a um, refund of a large amount of money for something that we should have had a long time earlier, but had been delayed for lots of um, poor reasons, and um, I was increasingly starting to think about all the different ways in which I was going to try and sort of get this money back from these people in fair ways that I just really wanted it back because it wasn't fair that they hadn't given it back to us, and um, we heard that day from the Bible that the influence of man is all about persuasion and control, but the influence of God is all about prayer and praise. So the next day, I did some praising and some praying and I pray for those people to be blessed in their business anyway. And that day, the money came back into my bank account. Isn't that absolutely amazing? That was God's release. So this is, this is real. This is all about our real lives. Just two weeks ago, or three weeks ago now, Paul Koshy spoke about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And on that day, we prayed for people, and I know at least one man who got baptized in the Holy Spirit and now has the power to live life differently. So... These talks are all about changing our lives in reality. So today we're looking at the truth that God is really close. God is really close to us. This passage is from Acts chapter 17. You can turn to it if you want to. You can unlock your phone and scroll. Starting at verse 
16, I'm going to go. I'm sure you'll catch up with me and take over because of the wonders of modern technology. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them said, what's this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, that's like a court, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. I love that little bit. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see in every way you're very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now, what you worship is something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, hmm, we want to hear you again about this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, and also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Father, thank you for the power of the Bible, your word. It's your spoken word. Your breath carries it into the world, and it changes the world. Father, this morning I pray that your word would change us, really, in reality, day to day, where the rubber hits the road. We open our hearts to you this morning. Speak to us and change us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, here's a picture of the place that we've been talking about. It probably doesn't come out very well under all the lights. Maybe we could dim them a little bit. This is a picture of Athens. It's close to Antonia in my heart for obvious reasons. Her mum lives there. We've been there lots of times. It's pretty. Lots of good reasons. That's Athens for you. So it wouldn't quite have looked like this, of course, in Paul's time. There were a few less streetlights. They hadn't lit up the Parthenon because they didn't have the money for that sort of thing in those days. Um, there weren't as many container ships docked in the, um, in the sea there. But what is remarkable is that the building in the middle that you can see would have been there when Paul was there. And the place where he actually spoke in this passage, it's just over to the right. It's not quite on the picture. If you look at where the big building in the middle is, it's just to the right of that. 
The building in the middle, many of you may know, is called the Parthenon. It's a temple to one of the Greek goddesses that they worshipped in those days. And most of the buildings around it are also for worshipping gods and goddesses. And this is the city that Paul arrives at in this passage. And it's not just the temple here that he finds, but he sees that there are gods and idols made of stone and wood everywhere. In fact, it says the city was full of idols. It reached its capacity for any more gods and idols. They just filled up on them. So these people had a god for everything, and they lived in a city and a culture that was considered very advanced. The greatest learning, the greatest human achievement was found in the Greek culture. And yet, it tells us in those nice little brackets that we saw on the screen, they were searching more than any other people for something more to life. The writer of the book says they'd spent all their time listening to and discussing ideas, what they had, their learning and their culture and their technology, had not given them satisfaction or any rest in their lives. They were more desperate than anyone to find what life was about. Like Pastor Clive said a couple of weeks ago about our own country and the time that we live in, if anything, they were the most blessed and yet they were the most hungry for finding what was real in life. Nobody knew what they needed to believe in, so they had 30 different gods that you could sort of pick and choose, and everyone believed in something different. It was okay to be different as long as you didn't hurt anyone else. Does it sound familiar? It was much like the day that we live in today. So, in the middle of this, we find out that God is compassionate. God is compassionate. One of those funny things that happens if you go into hospital is this. When you arrive on the ward, the nurse that admits you will ask you your religion. It's part of looking after the whole person, not just the operation. I've no doubt that it does unsettle some people. Hello, Mr. Charlton. I've come for a toe operation. Welcome. Now, are you a man of faith? (laughs) Yes, I am. Oh, dear, is this a bigger operation than I thought it would be? Uh, So you'll be amazed, though, at how many people turn out to be Christian when they get admitted to hospital. So, on the 2001 census, you may remember that there was lots of headlines because just under 400,000 people decided to campaign together to call themselves Jedi Knights on the census. And they said, for their religion, because they said, well, religion's dead, we're Jedi Knights, doesn't really matter what you write in this space. So I think if you asked them, they'd say, if you said, you know, what did you put on the census? Jedi Knight. (laughs) very funny what did you say when you went into hospital Christian Mm. yes definitely Christian why because when the pressure is on actually it turns out that most of us are trying or at least thinking of trying to reach out to God maybe it's a bit of an insurance policy just in case but Paul demonstrates something here of God's heart towards us you might have thought he'd arrive there and say listen guys The reason that you don't know what you're looking for is a bit of a no-brainer. You've got 30 gods. They're all made of wood and stone. You're a bit silly considering you're so learned in other parts of life. You're making a big mistake. But instead, Paul comes and he finds where they're open to reaching out to God, where they might have already tried to reach the living God. He says, hey, I noticed one of your statues was to a God that you don't know. Well, that's good. 
because I've come to tell you about him. God is not here to beat us with a stick. He has compassion on us. God is a God of compassion. He loves us. He's passionate about us. And because of that great love, he sees past all of the other things that we've tried to worship in life. And he wants to draw the best out of us. Jude prayed about God giving us the best. God's trying to draw the best out of us that we would develop a heart that loves him. So if Paul walked around our streets today, he wouldn't find many statues of gods made out of stone or big temples with people bringing sacrifices. He certainly wouldn't find any buildings that look like that. Although, of course, he might find a building that looked like this. Anyone recognize this? It's the Penshaw Monument, and it's not bad, is it? It's not bad if you compare it to the um, Parthenon. It's only got seven pillars instead of 20 or whatever, but yeah. So you can take a trip down the A1. Why go to Greece when you could go to see the Penshaw Monument? So Paul... That was obviously the Lord saying, no, go to Greece. They need the money. Greece needs your money. Go and visit it. Sorry, Lord. So Paul wouldn't find all those things because we're different now. But he, he might find 50,000 people bowing down and offering their money and their time and their emotional energy in the stadium over the road or giving the very best of their time and their effort and their talent to their job or to their bank account or to another person who they really feel that they need to love them. And I think he would find those things here today. And so God is saying the same thing to us today. He's saying he's still filled with compassion for people. He's saying, hey, the rest and the peace that you're looking for, more to life than just living and dying. You're looking for me. God is still finding that opportunity to touch our hearts. And that's what he's doing this morning. God is compassionate. God is close. A long time ago, there was an idea called the clockwork universe. You may have heard of it. It was this idea. God created the universe at the beginning. He made people. Then he wound the whole thing up with energy, and he just let it go to float off into space. And everything that's happened since then has been the product of chance or the laws of science and nature. God has not been interested in what happened to it. Neither does he try to change it. He just leaves us. And whatever happens, happens. But in fact, Paul says in this passage, not only did God do all the creating and all the work, and not only did he put all the energy into the universe, but since then he's remained right in the middle of it, and he's closer to us than our own skin. That's what the Bible says. Now, this was an amazing thing for these people. These were people who lived in this time, who went round the houses to get what they needed there were, like I said, there were 30 gods. If you needed the sun to shine on your crops so you could feed your family because that was the only thing that was going to get you through that year, you had to go and find such and such a god and sacrifice to him. If you wanted a certain young lady or a certain young gentleman to fall for you in a nice way, you went to see someone else. If you needed help with your finances, you had to go and find someone else and bring a sacrifice to them. Health, the future, conflict, wisdom. You all had different places that you had to go Maybe a sacrifice was good enough, and maybe it wasn't. They spent their lives never knowing if anyone was looking out for them, whether they'd given enough or spent enough time at the temple, or whether they'd forgotten which God it was that did toilets or whatever it might have been. Worshipping things other than God takes away from us. It takes out of us. 
because all this weird and wonderful stuff in t today that might make it look as if it can help us in our lives, help us in this part of life, relationship or whatever it might be, money. It might look like it helps, but at the end it drains us because it, we bring something to those things and we offer to it. We bring our time and energy and talent and it saps from us. And so we feel drained, just like these people did at these gods. They were drained by them. But Paul says to them, hey, God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything. He's the creator. The God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in a temple, so don't worry about building him a temple. He's not served by human hands, so don't worry about cleaning him every two weeks so that he doesn't get that funny mold that happens when it rains. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives us life and breath and everything else you can think of. Not one bit of creation, all of it. God created all of it, every single moment, every single part. Not just the faraway bit in the heavens, the God of rain, oh, we need the God of rain. Not just the close bit to us, the fields, we need to go to the God of the fields now. Not just the bit about love, the bit that's close to us even more, or death and life, the most close things to us perhaps. That's what they were thinking about, but God is the God of everything. And we don't need to go from pillar to post in our lives looking for help because God is our creator and he knows you better than you know yourself. You don't need to go anywhere except to God. Verse 26 says, He determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. He did it so that men might seek him and perhaps reach out and find him, although he's not far from each one of us. So the time of our life, where we are today, the fact that we live now, you're here, we're all here in this room together. When we were born, where we grew up, when our life in this world ends, God has somehow put boundaries around those things he sees the end of our life from the beginning. And not only that, but the fact, the, pl the fact that you're here this morning, the place you were born, your home, your house, your job, your future, God has put us exactly where he wants us. Why has he done this? So that we would look for him and reach for him and find him. You may hear it said today that God doesn't care and he's far away, but actually he couldn't be any closer to us than he is. He is trying to be found. Daniel and I, um, a little while ago, start, Daniel's my son, we started playing hide and seek. I don't know what, how they find out about hide and seek, but children rapidly do, and it's a high energy, high commitment game on the adult side, so you want to leave it as long as possible before they do discover it. So he started finding it, and initially when he started, it was more just hide and jump out and shout. So um, I, would, I would hide somewhere really cool. Daniel would take a while to find me, but I'd have to sort of wave my hands a little bit. And then I would count to 10, and when I got to 10, I'd say, ready or not, here I come. And then I'd do my first little bit of, where is he? Oh, he's not in the dining room. Ooh, I wonder where he is. And then he'd appear from behind the door and say, it's me. And so I'd say, oh, okay, I found you. <laughs> So Daniel was wanting to be found. It was no fun if he just hid for a long time. Okay, so God isn't hiding from us, but he is so awesome and great, the creator of everything around us and of our lives, that there is a sort of reaching out and touching him that has to be done. 
by us, but he has made it easy to do. It couldn't be easier, this passage says. He's made our lives the way they are so that we might reach out and find him. So what has passed has passed in our lives. In the past, Paul says, God overlooked such ignorance and now he commands all people everywhere to repent for he set a day when he'll judge the world with justice by the man he's appointed and he's given proof to all men by raising him from the dead. God is calling us to accept the good news that Jesus died for all the things we've done wrong and that he was raised from the dead to give us a new life with him. And God calls us to accept this great offer. It tells us, in fact, that this offer doesn't last forever. Actually, God, one day Jesus will judge the world and he is looking for ways to mark us well. Jesus is looking for a way to mark us well when he judges the world. And that's why he's made it easy for us to reach out and find him. It may not seem like it to you this morning as you sit there, but you have been put in the best place today to respond to this call from God in your life. Even the fact that you're here this morning is because God wants to give you the best chance to respond to Jesus. When the people in the passage heard Paul's words, they had one of three reactions which still we see around us all the time. Some of them laughed at the idea that Jesus had risen from the dead. They sneered at it. Some of them heard it. They said, oh, I'm interested. I want to know some more. They were listening. And some of them feared God. They said, hey, I believe in Jesus. I believe he, raised, he was risen from the dead. It matters. I'm going to make a change in my life. Those were the responses. God is compassionate. God is close to us. And God is calling. He's calling for a response to these things. Okay, I believe God wants us to respond to this in a couple of ways. The first way is, if you've never decided to make that response to God that he has made easy for us, that the good news that Jesus died for everyone, for our mistakes and wrongs, and that he rose from the dead to give us an amazing new life in him, then God is making that offer to you this morning. You could not possibly be in a better place or a better time or a better time of life to make a response to this because God is close and he is calling this morning. It's very easy to do. I'm going to do it now. It's very simple. Lots of people in this room have done it before. I'm going to ask us to close our eyes and bow our heads just so that we can concentrate and don't get distracted. I'm going to pray a prayer one line at a time. This prayer is going to be telling God thank you for who he is and asking him to come into our lives. I'm going to ask us all to pray it. And if you've never prayed this before, I want to challenge you with the thought, God is close to you today. God is close to you today. He's here in this place. And he has made it easy. It's not hard to reach out to him and to find him. He's made it easy. If you pray with me, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross for all the things I've done wrong. 
thank you that you rose again from the dead. And because of that, I can have a new life in you. I ask you into my heart. I'm sorry for those things I did wrong. Give me a new life this morning, I pray. Amen. Okay, while our eyes are closed, I'm going to ask um, if there's anyone who's done that this morning, if you could raise your hand. Be bold, don't be afraid. God has done everything to reach out to you. If you raise your hand, then I can see you and come and chat to you afterwards and help you and encourage you a bit. Has anyone done that? Taken that opportunity to respond to God for the first time this morning? God is close, He's here. Okay, I'm going to ask us to respond in another way. And that's this. God wants us to know him closely in our lives. If you feel that God is far from you, if you feel that in your family or in your life or in your work or in your financial situation or in your emotions, somehow God is far away from you. God wants you to know that he is closer than you can ever imagine. God is close and he wants it to mean something when we go to work tomorrow, when we wake up with our families, when we get up and we have our bank statement facing us, God wants us to know that he is real and he is close and he has made it easy for us to reach out and find him. I'm just going to ask that God now would touch each heart here. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit, your life, you would touch each heart here and you would show us, Lord, if we have found that we are far from you in our lives. Lord, I thank you. You are close to us. I pray this morning that every heart that feels far from you would know your closeness. I pray every heart that feels Lord, that you couldn't be any further away this morning, Lord, would feel you near him, near them. Every heart, Lord, that feels drifted away, far away from you, a long way from you, would know you close. Pray your Holy Spirit would touch every heart now. God, where there are situations specifically where we think, God could not possibly be in this. I have made such a mess of this. God could never be part of it. God wants to say to that situation, I am here with you. I am closer than you could ever know. Just going to wait for a few minutes, for a few seconds, just to let God speak to us. And then you'll pray for us again. Father, I pray, Lord, that this word, these words that are coming from your mouth full of life, Lord, would change us today. I want to pray for every heart here. Let's just stand before um, God. Keep our eyes closed just to keep us um, 
our minds focused on God. Let's just stand. Father, I pray for every heart here. Lord, where there's a feeling of being far from you, I pray that you would show your closeness. Father, where there's a feeling of having drifted away from you, Father, I want to pray that people would know your nearness. God, where a situation feels like it couldn't possibly have you in it somehow, I want to pray, Lord, that people would know, hearts would know, Lord God, your closeness and your ability to change that situation. You are compassionate, you are close, and you're calling us, Lord God, to reach out and touch you. Father, I pray that every heart this morning would open up to you. Father, I want to pray specifically in the area of sickness, Lord, or, and, and disease. If, there are, um, if, you have, if you're ill and you feel like, I've, I just feel that like God is not in this situation. I feel he's far away. I feel he could never be here because I feel so stuck with this illness or this sickness. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, I pray that you be so close to those hearts here this morning where people feel far from you because of ill health or sickness or disease. God, I pray that this morning the closeness of the power of your Holy Spirit would bring healing in Jesus' name. I pray there'd be restoration of hearts, lungs, Lord God, restoration, Father, of limbs, Lord Jesus, restoration of sight and of hearing, Lord God, because of your closeness. I pray that as people reach out with their arm, Lord God, reach out to you to touch you, you would be close to them, God, and you would bring your power to change them in a real rubber-hits-the-road way in the area of health. And God, I want to pray that, Lord, not just now when we know that you're with us, the sense of your presence is here, but God, as we leave and as we go out, Lord God, and as we wake up tomorrow and as we meet new circumstances and as we go back to our jobs, Lord, we would remember that you are close to us, Lord, that you have compassion for us, that you've not come to beat us with a stick about our mistakes, but you are calling us to reach out to you and touch you and find you. Lord, we want to pray that our lives would change today forever. I pray our lives would change today forever because of your closeness to us and your power to reach into our lives and to make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. That's great. Thanks, Andy. Um, We had some people. You want to give them a clap? We had some people bring...